HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Barryville is a hamlet in rural America, part of the upper Delaware River Valley in the western Catskills, but it could be anywhere. Barryville is the climax of civilization. Yeah, the Trump flags are flying, even as gay bikers are rolling through town. This is a hot take on rural America. And whether you're new to rural living, if you've ever been bullied or beaten up in the country, or live in the city and just dream of getting away, this show is for you. Everything's better in Barryville. Hello, Town of Highland. We have a very, very special uh, show for you today. It's incredible. You know, John, when I came here, I was just a boy with a dream. <laughs> you know, and look <laughs> you what can we've say that again, buddy. <laughs> and look what we've accomplished. We got a trim cocktail on the baker's menu. Uh, we've introduced a lot of wonderful musicians to our friends. We've uh, spoken to, I mean, so many wonderful town people. And I guess now more than ever, we always say that everything's better in Barryville. But this really is about the town of Highland, of which we are just a small part. That's right. And and today we we have some very special guests. So we. Invited all the candidates who are running in November for well, hopefully running in November for um, town board, um, for highway superintendent, and for uh, town of Highland supervisor. And so everybody was able to be here with us either by phone or by prepared statement. Um, our current supervisor Jeff Haas uh, declined because he's on vacation, but he did have a prepared statement. And I get to play Jeff Haas on the radio today, I think. All right. Okay, like good. I said, I was just a boy with a dream, and now... Now well, look but, at you. But, but wait, 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 John, John, are you running for town supervisor? Because you haven't officially announced yet. Let's hear it right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, John Pizzolatto, am running for town of Highland supervisor. Okay, I'm going to do that again, because I'm so excited. <laughs> Well, thank you, Mike. But, uh, well, you know, I hope I get to run for supervisor. I, I, I was informed by the Board of Elections that my uh, petition was um, was both foiled and then now it's um, being contested right now. So um, the parties that uh, contested it have six days to sort of find something wrong with it 
and present it to the Board of Elections. So hopefully uh, they don't get to thwart democracy and we do have choice. <laughs> well, I've told the um, story before. You know, when I came here, I was not a member of a Democratic or Republican Party. I didn't believe in uh, the two-party system, especially on the national level. I don't like corporate politics. But locally, I joined the Democratic Party because I saw they were the Republican Party, the current administration, were trying to run one candidate on both both party lines. So there would be an uncontested election. And that, to me, just wasn't cricket. It didn't sit right with me. And I'm seeing kind of that again. Am I reading yeah, this that's wrong? The, no, that's the approach. I mean, we switched from being a caucus town, which is basically likened to like the Iowa straw poll, where you try to get everybody in the room to agree with you before you leave. And that's how the Democratic Party used to be. Uh, but the, the thing that I saw as a new committee member is that they were flooding the, um, the event with lots of people who were truly not, you know, out for democratic policy or democratic candidates they were plants that were there from the top of it they came out hot they were criticizing you know just the idea that somebody would have the the gall to run against these and, and people to challenge our, our our establishment such as they are it's a small town folks yeah but, know, but, how but many people voted last last time out around 800 yeah around like eight, yeah around 900 but you know but stacking the deck and not and not giving people choice is, is something that I can't stand by for. And, you know, I, I really did do my research just like the last time I really tried to empower other people to run for supervisor because that was my goal in general was that, that everybody's represented and to find somebody willing. Um, the resounding response was that people are scared to run and, and everybody that, that did consider running was basically like, I'm scared what'll happen if I don't win. I've seen what's happened to you since you ran, you know, I've had a lot of things thrown at my business that are, you know, not in character or in lockstep with what other new businesses have gone through. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's troubling, but I feel like we have the power to change things and, and engage in the process. And, and that's really the only way to truly win for everybody. Well, I've always said we're best represented when we are best represented. You know, you made me feel very welcome here, John, you and, and, and some, some other people. When we first moved to Barrowville, my, my wife and I, uh, you encouraged me to volunteer at the farmer's market and to, just to, you know, to come to meetings and really be part of the community. And you really, really just embraced us with so much love now Look at us. We're, you know, we, we're all co-hosting radio show, but I consider you family. I know my wife feels that way about you too, but I got to tell you an awful story that in the first few days that we were here, someone who's an elected official in the town came by our house and we thought it was, you know, just a neighbor coming to say hello and kind of gave us the once over in a kind of confrontational way, you know, kind of like you know, brushing me off the plate right from my first at bat and saying, where are you guys from? How long are you going to stay here? Are you weekenders? And to make sure that we knew that he could find out anything about anyone at any time. It wasn't really welcome. It was very intimidating, as you know, and that did kind of set the tone for like, holy cow, this town does feel divided and newcomers, you know, and I don't, I was called a city and a transplant and all, all these things. And I've also said that the success of a transplant is very much dependent on the health of the host. That's really, I've heard you say that before. Yes. You, you know, but, <laughs> yes. but, 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 but I mean, what could possibly be more true? And there's so many new people coming into Barrowville and the town of Highland and that aren't well represented, you know, by the town council or the town supervisor or the town board. Um, because they're just new, and I feel divisive. In our, in the, you know, when we roll the credits with with, with the song that you sing so beautifully, and the whole thing, we do say that it is a town divided. But you know, when we talked, when I talk to everybody on a one on one level, I feel like we're all on the same page. Yeah, and you know, and I, I don't want to pull the pull the curtain back too much, but we we've already recorded the segments with everybody <laughs> today, so sorry if I'm if I'm ruining any magic for anybody. But you know, we we talked to uh, Jim Salusto and and Laura Burrell. We um, sort of in one segment here in our studio, uh, we spoke with Rebecca. Morabito and um, Tom um, Migliorino, um, 
in, in another segment at the Oasis, and we also spoke to um, Orson Davis and Joe Barnes uh, via phone on his way on vacation. Um, Jim Act, uh, unfortunately, was unable to participate because he had a professional emergency that he had to tend to the day that we recorded the other highway superintendent candidates. Um, so again, these are not the official candidates yet. We're in the petitioning process. Um, again, mine and Joe's petitions were petitioned and, um, you know, objected to by a member of our town board. Um, so I hope we make it onto the ballot uh, in our in our said parties. Um, but I, I do think that you're going to find so many adjacencies in these conversations, you know, especially between the town um, council candidates. There was such a synergy amongst these people. And I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, I mean, obviously I have allegiances and alliances and preferences, but I do think every single one of the people who showed up to talk to us has such good, united foundations for wanting to be involved and 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 new ideas to look towards the future. I was extremely impressed with everyone and everyone came to this with uh, clear eyes and, and a full heart as they say and uh, and by the way John I'm not giving you a free ride okay uh, you know we <laughs> no, are, we are partners and friends but this isn't NBC or Fox News this isn't NPR or CNN this is the voice of Barryville this is Barryville Radio and uh, this isn't some Leslie Stahl puff piece you know that's, <laughs> that's not happening here uh, but I want to know among you and all the other candidates, will you put the town before yourself? Do you promise to protect our river from overdevelopment and protect the rural nature of our town? Do you want me to answer? I do. Okay. I do. I do. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I know you, and I know you aren't afraid of change or progress, and I also know you know that not all change is progress. No, and I also know that, that, that there's so many people who have you know, this town was built on the backs of so many fantastic people and so many fantastic dreams and visions. And I think that there's a place for everybody here without destroying the character and, and, and history of the town. I think that there's a there's such a, a wonderful and unique opportunity we have to really represent everybody and to build a town that we're all proud of. I, I love it here. I, I am so happy living in, in Bar Barryville. And I know you've told me uh, you will promise no self-dealing. There'll be full transparency. I know you're going to lead from your heart. I know you will be accessible and, and visible. Uh, and, and I can't wait to hear your, your campaign. And I want to uh, mention one time, we do have a statement from your uh the opposing candidate, Jeff Haas, uh, which I, I will read. But uh, Jeff is very, very much invited to come on, on the show. Uh, Everybody's I'll, I'll invited. Uh, this is uh, the Barryville Radio is the party of inclusion. That's correct. Yeah, Barryville Radio is the gold standard for inclusion <laughs> in the town of Highland. All right. So I'll tell you what. With that, let's get right to it. Let's take a little trip downtown and talk to some candidates. All right. Let's go see that camel. <laughs> we'll be back with uh, Rebecca Morbido and Tom Migliorino. You're listening to Everything's Better in Berryville Presents Meet the Candidates. Now let's go live to the Berryville Oasis. All right, John, we're back. You're live at the Oasis in beautiful downtown Barryville. Welcome, one and all. <laughs> and uh, I really am very, very genuinely, genuinely proud to be part of this process. It's uh, no joke. I'm proud to vote here. I'm proud to live here and to uh, be on the radio presenting candidates. Uh, boy, if my high school, my junior high school civics teacher could could see me now if only because she could see me now look at him now ladies and gentlemen amazing uh hopefully he's got a face for radio oh <laughs> oh you told me we we're gonna play it straight today all right <laughs> oh yeah that's right sorry we're very serious and we're very political so here all we go. right here we go uh i'm really 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 thrilled to uh 
introduce uh, the first uh, of two of our four candidates for uh, council person in the town of Highland. And we're going to talk right now with uh, Rebecca Morbido, who's representing the Democratic ticket, and Todd Migliorino, representing the Republican ticket. Welcome, guys. Johnny, have at him. Welcome, Rebecca and Tom. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Thank you for having us. Yeah, of course. So I want to start with uh, this question for you both. What is the most important issue that you would like to make your mission as a new council person? Ladies first. Rebecca, how about you? Sure. So a very important issue for me um, is youth development. So um, I have several years of working with children, developing youth programming, um, and so I, I think that's one area in our town that we could really improve on. And um, we do offer um, a subsidized summer camp rate for the kids, uh, which is wonderful. However, I think that there could be more. And uh, so I would really like to look into what more we could provide for the youth in our towns, how we can, um, and how we can do that for them. Um, so that's really my, my main position, is to try to bring more to the town year-round for our kids. I think that's great. And, and, and also bringing kids back, too. You know, like young people, after they go off to school or, you know, vocational jobs, like we're, we're lacking in a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of workforce. And, and I feel like if we could bring young people back here and make it a great place to live, you'll have more families and more kids, and we need to support those people. Absolutely. That's great. Wonderful. Uh, Tom, same thing. What is the most important issue that you would like to make your mission as a new council person? Well, first of all, I would like to add clarity. Clarity to what goes on in the town. I'd like the residents to find out actually what if there's an issue or if there's a problem. I feel that right now the information is not getting out there. So I will be accessible to all people if elected. I will work with you, I'll let you know the issues that are going on, and that's all I can really promise you, is if I am elected. That's great. No, I, th I think that a lot of people are just looking for truth, and you know, it's all of our collective tax dollars that are funding our government, and it's supposed to serve us, so I, I think clarity is, is, is key. Thank you for that. Um, all right, well, let's move on, and uh, Tom, let's start with you. With the ever-evolving population in the town of Highland, do you think that new residents are represented on the current town board? And if not, how would you improve their representation? Well, as far as new residents go, I feel that they would have to step forward, come out to the town to find out what's going on. And then once they do that, I believe that we, if they're willing to work, uh, we'll work with them, you know, without a doubt. I think... Um, it's up to them to make the first step. It really is, and uh, we're not. I would not exclude anybody from anything. I would make them feel welcome, bring them on board if I can, and explain to them the situation, or whatever it, it may be. That's great. Yeah, it's not what you can do. It's not what your country can do for you. It's what, what you, you can do for your town of Highland. All right, uh, Rebecca. Same question. How would you represent? sort of newcomers, and do you think that the um, sort of new residents are, are represented on the town board now? So I think one of the areas of improvement could definitely be adding a little bit of diversity into our all aspects of the town, uh, whether it be the town board or different um, committees that there are. 
um, and diversity is all walks of life, new comers, people that have been here for a while, younger people, older people, just a diverse population. Um, and a way that I could help do that is just being accessible to the people in this town and having an open door, a, tr a truly open door where p uh, people can approach me and feel comfortable and safe doing that and expressing their concerns or things that they're happy about, things that they don't want to change, but things that they do want to change. And really, um, as part of the town board, I would, before making a decision, try to make a collective decision um, based on you know my own beliefs, but also the majority of, of people um, that, so it could best represent everybody in this town so that every walk of life has been considered and their values and their opinions could feel, have an input and, and they could feel valued as members of this community. Great, thank you, thank you. All right, last question. What do you perceive is the state of the town of Highland currently? And uh, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Um, so that's a tricky one. Um, you know, I love the town of Highland. I've lived in the town of Highland for a majority of my life. Um, I graduated from here, I left, I came back, I'm raising my family here. I think it's a great place, but I think it could be better. Um, I think there's a lot of improvements that could be made in a lot of different areas. Um, and I would, I'm definitely on board for that. That's why I'm here. Um, I wanna be a part of that change. Uh, you can't really complain about what's wrong without wanting to make a difference yourself. Um, and so that's where I am. I'm here and I just, I wanna help make this town uh, desirable for families to live and, and to raise their families. And that's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Tom, how, what do you perceive as the state of the town of Highland right now? Well, fiscally, I believe we're in good shape. As far as, once again, communication to the residents of this town, I think this is where we have a problem. There's a lot of issues that we have with the constables was one of the issues. Um, or there's some new development, uh, people coming into town looking to develop and build. I think that would be an issue, uh, a serious issue. Our, our infrastructure wouldn't be able to handle it as one of the things. I, I believe that um, we're going uh, we're gonna to have to really work hard to make sure things uh, work out for the residents of the town and the taxpayers as well. It doesn't become an overburden. And that's what I would be looking for. Yeah, and just keeping everybody on the tax rolls yeah. <laughs> this is, oh, this is, is a big true. deal. You know, this I mean, I feel like the more money you have, the more chances you are of not paying taxes. Right. And that's true everywhere, but it's it's definitely a problem in small communities all throughout Sullivan County. Right. Oh, bury us, really. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Rebecca? What are, what are your closing remarks? What do you want the people out there to know? before we go to the primary polls. Because in just full disclosure for everybody too, so these are the slated candidates um, uh, endorsed by the party chairs and endorsed by the party in general. Um, and uh, we are not officially candidates yet until the petitioning process is over. Um, and um, we'll be set to primary uh, one another if it comes to that. And if not, um, we'll all see each other on the ballot in November. So, uh, with that heavy, heavy responsibility <laughs> and importance, what are your, what are your closing remarks? Um, 
I'm just really excited to uh, be part of this process. Um, I'm not a politician, so this is all very new to me. However, um, I've really enjoyed just so far going out and collecting signatures and talking to the town people and getting feedback that I've gotten so far. Um, the wheels in my head have just started turning of all the different ways that I could, I could help and uh, bring about positive change for our town. So I'm just really excited to be a part of this process. And um, I look forward to meeting more people and hearing more input from the community. Great. Thank you. Tom, same. What, what are some closing remarks for you? Well, this is by, by far the most beautiful area I've ever seen. Pristine countryside. I moved here about three years ago to my permanent residence. And uh, I absolutely love it here. And I'm very concerned about the change that's down the, down the road. And that's why I want to get involved and see if I can make sure we do the right thing for the residents of this town. That's great. I think that those are all extremely important issues that we, um, that we have to uh, combat as a, as a team. And uh, I think you guys represent some of the best of the town. And thank you both for coming out tonight. And um, let's do this. Uh, take a break, Sean, from the Oasis here. Let's uh, belly up at the bar for a second and come back with our next guest. Stay tuned for more of Meet the Candidates on Everything's Better in Berryville, the biggest small town podcast in the world. Uh, well, all right. Uh, wow. Can I, I'm just, again, so incredibly proud to be here and being part of the conversation. You heard it here first. It's amazing. I came to Barryville. I was just a boy with a dream. And now here we are, uh, hopefully moving the dial just a little bit and keeping everybody well informed. I always say uh, the town is best represented when we're well represented. And here are a couple of wonderful representatives. Okay, <laughs> running for uh, town council, uh, we have Jim Salusto, who's representing the Republican ticket, and our friend Laura Burrell, representing the Democrats. And John, I'm going to hand it to you. Why don't you have at them? All right. Welcome, <laughs> Jim and Laura. Uh, first question, what new policies or codes are you most wanting to revisit or change? And uh, why don't we start again? Ladies first. Oh, how kind. Uh this is going to be a transformative year. We have a comprehensive plan that is out of date. We currently should be working on the comprehensive plan, which will take a broader view of our zoning and our codes. Can so I just ask you, can you, can you tell the folks at home, what is a comprehensive plan? Comprehensive plan is designed by the community. So it asks the representatives of the town board to identify consultants from the community put together a board to usher in a moment to think about what we want to happen in the next 10 to 20 years. Comprehensive plans right now are a 10-year plan. Ours is one year out of date. Um, and it asks for community gatherings, for conversation spaces on how do we want to protect our river? How do we want to protect the environment? What kinds of zoning uh, and code rewrites or things that need to be written that we do not currently have um, to help enhance the community, to help protect and conserve the community, help to think about our different districts, the Hamlet Commercial District, the Washington Lake 
um, lake district, the residential rural districts, um, and how, how are we planning for the future as well as protecting and conserving the people that live here? It is a big process. It takes many months. It takes a lot of coordination, um, rewriting. It takes reliance on consultants from the county level and the state level. Um, but it's a guiding document that helps us make decisions at the planning board, zoning board, and town board level. Great. Uh, Jim, same question. Um, what new policies or codes are you most wanting to revisit or change? Yeah, I mean, that was a very comprehensive answer for the <laughs> comprehensive plan. Yeah. But uh, you're right. It's, uh, it was last written in 2012. It's, it's a year older or later than it needs to be. It's going to take a lot. And uh, <clears throat> I believe there's a lot that needs to cover, be covered or be changed because of the way the town has changed over the last 10 years. So uh, I'm hoping that we get at it sooner than later, and I'm hoping that we get the most diverse group to participate in the plan so we have uh, everyone equally represented. Yeah, no, I think that's very important. We, we, you know, the River Reporter hosted this summit of uh, about change, and it was a really interesting sort of roundtable, and there was representatives from the town and the community and you know, outside the community. And it, it was a really special event in that they, there was at least a conversation about it and mm -hmm. it was diverse. And I think diversity is, is very interesting, especially when we're watching new populations kind of come in and, and, um, you know, change things in a big way for better or for worse. If you look at the current comprehensive plan, which is what we have to rely on when new projects pop up or, um, people who want to change the scope of their land or do something different, build accessory buildings, reading through it, you know, back then, 10 years plus ago, there was two things that stood out to me. The fact that there was an interest in encouraging uh, eco-friendly tourism, enhancing existing campsites, promoting eco, um, uh, sorry, promoting short-term and second home owner ownership. And we've, you know, done that. We're now experiencing and seeing an uptick in second home ownership, switching those into short-term rentals, uh, and then the newest zoning, of course, with cannabis. And so, um, we have corporate interest coming into the town in, in Northgate, building, rebuilding and, and revisiting, you know, the Kittatinny campgrounds. And so that comprehensive plan worked to a point and it no longer is working. And we're in the midst of some of these things happening. And so it is an imperative that we work on that plan. Jim, yeah. did you want to add anything? I, I would just say a good example uh, that I've seen is how the town is addressing the uh, Airbnb. Uh, to me, it's a great step in the right direction, uh, probably needs more work, but uh, it, it's an example of the town recognizing the changes that have happened, right? Uh, yes, but I, I don't agree with the approach, oh. I have to say. I, you know, I, I, I would like to weigh in here if you guys Go don't ahead. mind, but you know, the, there, there's something very interesting about what's going on. Like they're, they're asking people to go before the town and identify the fact that they're not home and they don't live in their residence, you know, is a, is a primary, you know, housing. And, and so it's, it's, it's leaves people vulnerable and that combined with the loss of our constables who are people who have their finger on the pulse of the community, know where people's kids are, know who's supposed to be in your driveway when you're not home. It's a, it's a dangerous mix. Um, and which leads me to my next question. Mm -hmm. um, would you reinstate the constable program? And you, do you agree with the current town of Highlands uh, decision to eliminate it? The town board. I don't think most residents have mm -hmm. chosen to eliminate it, but what do you guys think? Let's start with you, Jim. 
Well, <clears throat> again, I think it's a complicated one. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the constables. I know them all very well for many, many years, and there's a lot of value to it. Down-home policing, right, and neighborhood policing. At the same time, uh, we just have to make sure, my, my concern is that the town is supporting the constables at the level that they need to be, having the right equipment, having the right training. If we're unable to do that or unwilling to do that, then I think a little differently about it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, more, more work. Uh, I can't really speak because I don't have all the details, but... Yeah, it, it, I do like having constables. And that came up in our previous segment. It's like not having the details. Like yeah. it's, it's the, the, the community <clears throat> cannot really weigh in uh, in, an, in an impactful way without having the details to what surrounded the sort of like elimination of the, of the program or suspension as it was first presented. Yeah. You know, it was a very wild and secretive rollout. And uh, I think that that is what kind of plagues the community at large. But Laura, same question. Would you reinstate the constable program, first of all? And do you agree with the current Town of Highland Board's decision to eliminate it? I do not agree with the decision to eliminate it. However, the process to go back and review what was done, to look into complaints, to look into things that you know were not working, it does make sense for them to pause the program, to be able to do the kind of investigative work that they needed to do. And, you know, when I first heard they were suspending the program, my first reaction was like, oh, it's never coming back. That is my first reaction because it's the easiest thing to do is to disassemble something and put something else in its place. Now, we don't have all the information. There's litigation. There's personal you know, complaints that might have been dealt with um, differently. But it all boiled up to the situation that we currently have. Can we reinstate the program? That is the bigger question. Would we? I would love to. I, I love the idea of knowing who's protecting you and having those deep relationships. I think in a small town like ours, having reducing the wait time for responses and increasing the uh, role of, of police force and having those community relationships be really tight is important. Um, I'm not sure now if we can reassemble Mm-hmm. a constable program or how expensive it would be to the taxpayers. And, you know, now we're trying to make all these different tax saving initiatives. And I don't think that's going to be a tax saving initiative. Well, yeah. And I know that the town um, actively is trying to sell those constable book cars, cars. but mm-hmm. they, they can't find the titles. So, so who knows <clears throat> if they're actually going to be able to move them and, and, and is this duration of them trying to locate the titles going to be something that uh, derails the elimination process, or at least buy some time for those who want to reinstate it. I guess as a relatively new resident of the town of Highland, uh, I love the constable program because I liked the idea that, that the community was policing itself. I felt safe seeing the guys driving around. I got to know a couple of the guys. And I know it was an incredibly popular program. I mean, I've not met anybody who said, you know, you know, good riddance. Everybody says, wow, I can't believe we have constables. Everybody across the whole town, from all the way down by Kittentinny and, and Minisink, all the way over to Washington Lake and the Highland Lake, they're all saying what happened to our, our, our constables. And it seemed like it was a little bit rash to me. And the great popular support for this program and what, what Laura was saying, what you were saying, the most important thing as a citizen is one of the most important things are emergency services. I want to know that someone's there if I'm in trouble. I can mm-hmm. get to my house. God forbid there's an accident or anything happens or a first responder. And, and those are our constables. And right now we're, and right now we're talking about 
bringing in so much newness into the community, right? Like we're talking about a corporate interest bringing in people, you know, and, and, and increasing the number of people who are coming in that we don't know as a community. Right. And we're also talking about other large swaths of populations who are buying up things all at once. You know, it's it's not like families trickling into neighborhoods. It's like there's a there's a resounding effort to come in and buy up a whole neighborhood. You know, I was on mail road the other day by the Catskill Mountain Resort and we saw people knocking on doors mm-hmm. asking to purchase properties. I mean, mm-hmm. this is really the heat is turned up yes. to a pitch point and we don't have any boots on the ground who know where they are. I mean, we've seen, you know, the, the sheriff's um, patrolmen are <clears throat> all throughout our town, but I don't think they know where to be. You know, I, I was up at Mini Sink Battleground for a chamber function we have going on. And I saw two guys up there and I, I just wanted to let them know that this area <coughs> gets very little play and there's probably better places to be, but it's just not knowing the town, not knowing the landscape, not knowing where the hot points are and the touch points of our town. Is, is something that separates sort of the uh, the men from the boys. And I well, think shutting down that program did a disservice to the feeling of safety um, here in the community. I think once you put people in a position where they feel less secure than they were before, you know, you run the risk of all kinds of other things popping up that you're not paying attention yeah. to. So we're seeing increased speeds. We're seeing all different kinds of things based on that decision. Um, go ahead, Jim. The only thing I would add is uh, you mentioned the, the uh, issue with the titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from a constable perspective, I think if we're going to have the program, we have to be all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't be half. I won't say any bad words. But we've <laughs> got we've got to be all in on it uh, for their safety. They need to be trained. They need to have the right guns. They need to have the right poundage on their trigger pulls. All things that I think are very relevant, nobody knows about. Uh, not having titles, I think, is <laughs> is interesting, right? But I think it speaks to, I've heard things about evidence lockers. And again, all rumors, so I don't like or want to talk about it. But uh, we need to equip the constables properly if we're going to have it. And if we're not going to have them, then let's hear the, the new plan. But I would like to have them if we could. Okay, in 60 seconds or less, mm-hmm. I would like you guys to wrap this all up and say, what do you perceive as the state of the town of Highland where we are today? <clears throat> and we'll start with you, Laura. The state of the town of Highland today. <clears throat> Our town is thriving. We have wonderful things happening here. It is an exciting place to be, but it is in the middle of change. We're in a state of, you know, I don't, I don't know how to properly say this. Power struggles. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of. Um, I think that there is a meeting, a meeting point between um, the wants and needs of the community, and also the needs of the community that isn't being vocalized. We have to spend more time creating space to hear from the public about what they want and need. We have to bring the public much more into the conversation. Communication and transparency are extremely important right now about what's happening. And I think the state of the town of the Highland is is unsure at this point. Jim, I I agree. Uh, Like all of you, I'm a business owner as well, uh, very invested in the town. It is thriving. And I would say that uh, it's changing quite a bit, and we need extremely pro-business and progressive thinking around everything that's happening while maintaining our natural resources. 
in our in our sort of by nature conservative budgets that we have to work and, from, and conservative you know, budgets. So I think that all of us don't want to see our taxes soar. No, but no. maybe we want to see our money spent better. Yes, I'd like to see thoughtful recruitment of you know investment. So why can't we bring in entrepreneurs who are interested in creating a local pharmacy, walkable communities, increasing you know the Hamlet districts and what they're capable of doing. Um, you know, there just needs to be a, a little bit more long range and thoughtful planning that takes place now. Right. And uh, like many small towns, uh, we often see people, especially the longer term folks that live here, gravitate to what was, oh, do you remember the past? And it used to be this and used to be that. It's all good. Uh, we all should have great memories, but we can't allow the world and the town to move forward and us being stuck behind. So, yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And thank you for such a thoughtful conversation about our town of Highland that we all love so much. So uh, with that, I leave you with the uh, thoughtful um, reflection of Laura Burrell, who is the Democratic uh, council person candidate, and Jim Salusto, who is the Republican council person candidate. Thank you very much. Listening to Everything's Better in Berryville presents Meet the Candidates. Now let's go live to the Berryville Oasis. All right, next up we have candidates vying for one of the most important roles in the town of Highland. We have Orson Davis here at the Berryville Oasis. We have Joe Barnes and his wife en route to Florida. And uh, we'll catch up a little bit later with Jim Act. So right now I turn the mic over to you, Michael, and Orson and Joe. Welcome, guys. Wow. Again, uh, I'm really, I'm really, really, really thrilled to be doing this. You know, I mean, the highway department is such a loved department of the town of Highland. Uh, I mean, everybody is just always amazed. They might, you know, the crazy weather vortex we live in here, but the roads are always cleared very, very quickly. Uh, I mean, everybody really, really loves uh, the town of Highway <laughs> Department. So, uh, Orson, why don't we start with you, and then we'll uh, go to Joe's on his way to a warmer place. Um, why do you want to be the uh, highway supervisor, and how will your leadership affect the current staff and how they work? I've always wanted to... Uh have part of something in the town. The highway department uh, makes me feel at home where I own my own business of trucking. And uh, as far as the guys of the town, they are excellent guys. Um, they've all been there a long time. They know me. I've spoke with them. Um, as far as change, I can't say anything about change right now because I have not actually worked with them. Maybe down the road there will be changes, but as of right now, there's no change. And uh, Joe, the same question to you. Uh, why do you want the, the job? And uh, if you were to become the supervisor, how would your leadership uh, affect the current staff and how they work? Well, my leadership wouldn't affect the staff at all because I personally think that they do a fabulous job um i've been around the highway departments for 30 plus years uh and i believe that everything is okay the way it is the guys have done 
what they've been doing for many, many years on their own, basically. Uh, Joe, let me ask you, um, your, with your experience, are you familiar with the purchasing and bidding process uh, you know, for the town of Highland and specifically the uh, highway department? Yes, I've been around the bidding process. Like I said, I worked for Sullivan County Highway Department for 30 years, so I know purchasing and bidding, um, certain bids are done through the state, certain bids are done through the county itself, and then the town has their own bids on, uh, say, pre-mixed asphalt, um, blacktop itself, so... I have been around it. I know about it. I've never personally done it. Uh, Worse, I'm going to ask you the same question. Are you familiar with the purchasing process and the bidding? Uh, you know, what goes on uh, you know, when we hire people, buy trucks, and uh, buy supplies and whatnot, who our vendors are? The um, <clears throat> issue of stone, uh, I know the difference of the stones because I worked in a quarry. Uh, I know the difference between dirty stone and clean stone. Um, I've sprayed roads. As far as the truck issues, um, that goes out to bids through the state where also if I decided myself to put a um, bid in to a truck dealer, International, Kenworth, whichever, um, I myself will go out and speak to them, take one of the employees that works on the vehicles with me so that I have every point covered to get a decent price. Uh, let me ask you, Orson, what do you think is the single most important issue that the highway department faces? Uh, as of right now, the most important issue there is, uh, which I'm gonna, if I get in, bend over backwards to get, the new building, which is one of the biggest buildings in the town next to the school, um, if we have, God forbid, a flood, major catastrophe of some sort, people can go to the town to sleep on cots, use the bathroom, preferably maybe cook, but they can't do that right now because when the building was uh, built, it never got a generator installed so that as of right now, if the power goes out, the guys have to lift the doors by themselves with chains. They have to, no heat, because it has radiant heat in the floors. And a lot of guys in the wintertime put hours in there between shifts, sleeping there instead of going home. They would have no heat. If we have a catastrophe, that building is totally worthless to the taxpayers as far as a place for protection. All right, Joe, I'm gonna ask you the same question and thank both of you guys again, uh, both for your service and for running and being part of this and being on our show. So Joe, what to you is the single most important issue that the highway department faces? The single most important issue of the highway department itself, as in uh, a defect? Not necessarily. I mean, the highway department is on the road often 24-7, summer, winter, fall, and spring. What are the issues that they face? Is, is, sure, if there's something that the highway department isn't doing that you think needs to be done, uh, I think now is a good time <laughs> to say that. Uh, but if you were to be the supervisor, what do you think the greatest challenge is? Well, 
I would have to agree with Orson a hundred percent. You know, the town had a generator and they gave it to someone else instead of bringing it up there to hook it up and utilize it. You're good. And that's another thing. You're going to have to put something like that out to bid in order to have it hooked up. And like Orson was saying that if there is a catastrophe in the town, the town highway department, it could be used as a warming center if there was a disaster like we had four or five years ago when we had weeks without heat or electric. Well, all right, then. I think we have real challenges. I think you're both on the same page as far as that goes. Man, we do get I mean, this winter has been pretty kind, but uh, everyone knows the, the winters up here are legendary. And, of course, you know, power goes out in the summer, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but both guys bring up such an important point. You know, like the when I toured the highway department um, when I was running last time, you know, because to me, they, they are the glue of, of our town. They're, the, they're literally our connectivity. And, um, yeah, the building is beautiful. It's got a lot of space, but it's got a lot of defaults, too. You know, there's one bathroom. Um, there's a huge garage that houses all the rusted-out trucks that we need to, to work on and start, like, thinking of a long-term plan um, to approach how to purchase these things. We need, we need a schedule um, of, of purchasing. You don't just drop – you can't just go out and buy a highway department truck. It's something you need to research. It's something you need to, you know, put out there. And um, you can't just keep putting a Band-Aid, you know, on an open gash. And that's what a lot of these trucks look like. And, and also the guys have to work on the trucks themselves when they should really be focused on the safety and the treatment of the, of the roads and the conditions. So they, they literally put up with so much of um, our deficits, uh, you know, and, and it's not like we want to – you know, pump everybody's taxes up and replace all the trucks because that's clearly not an option. We're in a small town with a limited budget. But, uh, yeah, you know, I commend these guys, and I commend you guys all for running. So thank you. Uh, Orson, did you want to add something? Yeah, can I I just uh, add one more thing? And I'm sure Joe would agree with me. Um, The highway department is just as important as the fire departments and the ambulance. If the roads aren't cleared, God forbid, again, there's a fire, and a fire truck can't get through, that's a waste. It, it's a terrible thing to even think of. But they are just as important as everybody else in town. Yeah, if not more so. I mean, like, that's literally you back out of your driveway and where you headed to, to help somebody, you know? So thank well, you. Is there anything you wanted to add, Joe? I would agree with Orson. I mean, if the roads aren't taken care of, the emergency department can't get through. you got to ensure the roads are safe as possible, as quick as possible. I'll tell you what, John, I'm hearing a lot of love for the town of Highland today. Uh, I'm impressed by every candidate we've spoken to and looking forward to more, and we're going to be back soon. Coming up next is the main event for the town of Highland supervisor. It'll be the challenger, John Pizzolatto, representing the Democratic ticket, versus the incumbent, Jeff Haas, representing the Republicans. Coming at you right after this. Don't go away. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. 
HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right, we're back. That, that was incredible. That was fantastic. I mean, what a beautiful representation of our of our great town of Highland. I'm extremely impressed with all candidates. I've got to say, and there's more. They're more alike than they are. They are different. And as I think, as a town, really in our heart of hearts, I know not everybody. Uh, you know, is flying the same flag on, on their lawn. But in our heart of hearts, we have so much more in common than we have apart. We're all here for the same reason. And I can say, uh, when elected supervisor, I, I look forward to working with any one of those people and, and everybody in town in general. I, I, I'm here to listen to opposing voices because I think if you keep a bunch of people around you that are just the same as you, you're never going to grow. You're never going to truly reflect what being a leader is, because being a leader is standing with people who don't necessarily agree with you and finding a common ground and moving forward to to really excite and, and bring to life everybody's vision for what they want to see their town function like and be like and, and, and prosper together. Especially in such a small town. You know, it, it's so important. We really are about, uh, community is a very overused word these days. I feel people throw it around, you know, like Halloween candy, but it really is in our heart of hearts. We help each other. I do not care what sign is on my neighbor's lawn. Uh, I will, you know, if his house is on fire, I'm going to come running over to put it out. And I know he feels the same way about us. And I, I'm really just very impressed by every, everyone's vision and earnestness and commitment to the town of, of Highland. All right. So normally this is where we do the news and we're going to kind of do the news. We're going to have a sort of virtual debate between uh, you and Jeff. I'm going to represent Jeff and I promise to do it very fairly and read his statement, but I'm still playing the news music because I dig it so much. <laughs> I'm John Pizzolatto, and my news segment has been removed. <laughs> well, yes, but you still have a voice here, John. Well, thank you, Mike. All right. And uh, I, I am really, really, really thrilled to be uh, part, part of this process. I've said it over and over again, and I can't tell you. Uh, I mean, I, I just really, really mean it. From the top of my cowboy hat to the bottom of my cowboy shoes, I am really proud to be a Barry villain and to be here and to, uh, to bring the message to the people and to be um, – you know, really, I, I think it's very important. We can live in a news desert sometimes, and we need to people to you know hear us and get into it. So uh, the first question, uh, and uh, I'll read Jeff's response, is um, what for Jeff, what would you like to accomplish in your next term as supervisor? And Jeff responded to us via email, and he said, I have targeted some new initiatives currently underway and to be expanded in my next term, explore environmentally conscious energy-saving measures for town buildings to expand upon and enhance our designation as a climate-smart community. Uh, and he says, as an example, an energy cooperative and a site for a solar field. Further expansion of our youth programs, uh, he lists here. Uh, he says, we started this expansion last year with our community partner, Koinonia, at no cost to the taxpayer through grant funding secured by myself and the Youth Committee 
of the board. This summer will be a full-length session that the town will again subsidize with grant funding. We had an impressive and very satisfied response, and we'll continue to build on that. We also look forward to working with Koinonia for an aftercare program. We realize that child care can be challenging for our families and want to have options for safe, stimulating after-school care available. Uh, John, I'm going to ask you the same question, but what would you like to accomplish uh, in your, if you were elected in your first term as supervisor? Well, I think something that we're missing in, in, along the River Corridor and as a crown jewel of the River Corridor is to develop policies that are non-discriminatory but also encompass the common goals and vision for, for what we want our town to look like. You know, we're, we're allowing people to come in that very clearly state that their, their mission is to get off the tax rolls. We're letting the IDA come into our town and stomp all over tax-free incentives and to, to develop large you know, swaths of property that have been known as a big revenue source for the town. You know, it's, people are coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to build a tax-free off-the-rolls development here, and, and we're standing by and letting it happen. And something tells me that people are collecting on the backside of that, and I really, really do not like that. I also think it's very important that we share resources with other neighboring towns. We have a lot of the same challenges in the River Corridor. When we talk about reinstating the constable program or establishing an ambulance district or even our fire department, shared resources could be such a benefit with the town of Lumberland, who we have a wonderful symbiotic relationship with with the schools, with the town of Tustin. I mean, the proximity of, of, of half of our town is closer to Tustin than it is to our town center, uh, where our resources are, are, are sort of uh, located. Um, and I really think that the biggest issue that I would do on day one is not look back to see what bodies I could dig up or where, where they're buried. But I really think that we need to restore the balance of power to the people. I think that we need to empower residents to participate in the process. And we need to l- eliminate the corporate takeover of our town departments. I mean, we have more um, corporations running our town than we do residents at this point. We've let Fusco in to run our code enforcement and our uh, building code inspection. Um, you know, we've run we've run um, big, huge grant programs where you know big corporate interests take so much money off the top that it's almost debilitating. We send back grants that we can't action. Um, I, you know, I, I just think that we have enough talented, wonderful people here that could step into these positions, and it also helps our local economy. We want to give people in our town meaningful jobs, starting with the town. I mean, there's there's so many people here that we could lift up by empowering them and, and, and including them in the process, and and I think it's just restoring sort of what what our what we expect out of our town. And, and really sharing sharing that. I don't think there's there's no I in team, and um, I don't think that anybody should be a chief decider uh, by themselves. All right. Thank you very much for that. The next question is, and this is for uh, Jeff, and again, I'm going to read his uh, response, and he is, um, i say it one more time, absolutely invited to come down here, and uh, I promise no gotcha questions. Uh, come down and talk to us, because I think people would like to hear from the town supervisor. So the question is, what policies and accomplishes, accom- what policies and accomplishments are you most proud of as supervisor? And Jeff said, I am very proud of the grants for the new highway building and the salt shed. Saving the taxpayers millions of dollars, protecting halfway brook through the removing the environmental hazards of a brookside highway garage. We have realized a cost and efficiency savings by having purchasing and loading our own salt and sand, which also decreases the wear and tear on the highway trucks. Uh, Then he bullet points a few things here, negotiating several highway contracts. In my term, establishing working committees within the town, uh, youth, beautification, energy, environment, 
uh, establishing a truck replacement program, saving the taxpayer interest dollars on uh, necessary purchases of highway trucks, developing an investment plan, creating a revenue stream that we did not have before, uh, saving the taxpayer. That's a little bit of an unfinished thought, but I think I know where he's getting at here. Present 10 budgets at below 10% tax cap while increasing spending, thereby stabilizing the budget and proving uh, providing the taxpayer with a high-value service at less than cost, uh, being responsive to necessary changes in state law through our code, and thereby local laws, short-term rental legislation, that's the uh, Airbnb uh, program that well, we're seeing playing it out the planning board recently, changes in zoning for marijuana dispensaries after we opted in. Uh, we've discussed that on our show at length. Protection of existing businesses and property owners as the code evolves, professionalizing many departments within the town, Investing in our workforce, beautification and enhancement of the town through grants, shared services, uh, which you just addressed, John. Uh, the Sullivan Renaissance Silver Feather Grant awarded to the town and the Highland Access Project. We provided extensive in-kind services examples. Uh, he also lists the Heroes Banner Project and the maintenance and ongoing beautification of Heroes Park. And uh, finally, he's updated. He uh, says we've updated the town and the Barrowville Courthouse. So, uh, John, Pizzolato, for you, I'm going to ask you the same questions. First of all, how do you respond uh, to Jeff and this uh, kind of laundry list of accomplishments? How do you feel about it? Do you think uh, all these things are true and fair? I know you to be a, a local leader, a civic leader, an environmental activist, and uh, I, I see some of these things I feel like you were you were a big part of. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about the River Accesses Project, yes, I put these ideas together, but it wasn't just my ideas. I took all the wonderful ideas of people like Doreen Warner, who had this fabulous mural idea. She's like, she's helped us get organized as a town, you know, with our web website infrastructure and our signage in the town. And so she had this, you know, longstanding idea for a mural to break up all the blacktop that we see in town. So that was part of the River Accesses Project, restoring access to the river at the end of River Road. Um, you know, was something that was very important to me. The town started to sort of, uh, you know, battle with the with the adjacent landowner and got it surveyed. He took the dike that, you know, was once used to get down to the property and he, um, you know, moved it back towards his private property. And so I just wanted a solution to build, you know, access the other way. Um, and so that was a big part of the project, cleaning up Eagle Observation 1, uh, because we don't want people parking, you know, along River Road because it is a neighborhood. Uh, you know, I thought that the Eagle Observation 1 could provide, uh, you know, a great place to park and, and, and encourage like healthy living to walk down to to the River Road Park and also just take in the eagle because there's a fantastic eagle's nest uh, right in front of that. Um, the fourth project was the Highland Access, which is already in motion, and that was a county initiative. Um, but I thought that we should have our stamp on it and really tell the story of our town so that people don't forget where they are because I think identification of knowing that people live in a place makes them less likely to litter or to want to destroy or, or, or hurt a town. And then also... Um, the brilliant Delaware Company uh, project, the Kate project, where they um, both want to tell the history of how you know the the town was built and who serviced um, the canal, and also um, just sort of like the history of the town, you know, adjacent to the Roebling Bridge. That whole story was very important, and and connecting the trail. Um, to the National Park Service trails along the river is very, very important as well. So I, I basically took all these good ideas from other people and put it together and presented it to the town and said, hey, let's work together for the for the um, Silver Feather uh, Award Project. And it, and it all began very well and with good intentions. 
soon after that, I announced my candidacy and I immediately got shut out and it was pretty upsetting. They've only been able to action the mural and uh, the other projects sort of hang in the bounds two years later. They haven't been able to accomplish them. So so I, I, I do take it personal that that they try to tout themselves for, for that award and it, it really is not fair. Also, we heard in the um, in the first segment, Rebecca Morbido is somebody that really actioned the Konania, um day camp and, and extending it to... Um, full-time and, and providing these resources for the town. The volunteers are the people who make it great, and I think that we'd be in wonderful hands with Laura and Rebecca and some of the other candidates that talked about how to activate youth. Um, I don't think it's an accomplishment that we're providing a basic service that from a community that's like so um, hands-on and, and, and willing to lift each other up. These are things that we should count on, and I don't think that our supervisor had any one hand in, in creating any of these programs. So it's it is a little disparaging um, to say that you know these are my accomplishments. Uh, I, I also can say proudly um, that I uh, was a UDC um, honoree for for community involvement. Um, because of my dedication towards the river. Again, soon after the election um, in 2021, I was removed from my uh, post as Town of Highland delegate um, and thus the chairmanship of the Upper Delaware Scenic Byway. Uh, But I was later hired back for the organization's uh, first uh, program manager position. So, I mean, while a lot of these things are nice things that happen, and I don't want to say I, 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 because I don't think there's any place for that in leadership, this is a misleading statement at best. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you then, what if you were to become supervisor? Uh, and, I, and I know your past. I know, by, by the way, you were uh, voted the number one public servant by our paper, The River Reporter, two years in a row, right? Um, which is incredible. I, I do know your dedication to the area. But given all of that... I have to say, though, I've never voted for myself or encouraged <laughs> anybody else to vote for me. I never actually have known where it come from, but uh, thank you. Um, I, it, it's, it's very impressive. Um, I mean, it, it truly is. But uh, given all of that... If you were to be elected supervisor, what would be uh, your your first uh, priorities? What do you look to accomplish? Um, what, what what are your goals? I think I think what I uh, you know sort of laid out in my um, in my first response was that you know I really believe in the power of um, collaboration, and I'd love to really get the people together to build alliances with the with the neighboring towns and solve some of those problems to keep the cost down for our taxpayers, like we do at the school. Um, but, you know, the alliance between Lumberland and Highland, I think, is great. I think we can look to other resources for that. I think that we could collaborate in a smarter way with the county for um, for the policing and, the, and to try to reinstate and partner on the constable program. Um, I you know, I realize it would be very expensive to replace the cars. And I, I'm very nervous for the town that they're making such a directional decision to, to try to sell these cars or, you know, get them to the to the county. But I also want us to look to our contracts as well. I mean, we're paying for the, the sheriff to patrol over here twice over. We're paying for what was our constable program has now been, you know, shifted back over to the, to the sheriff's department. And then we're also paying in our taxes for the sheriff's department to police this. So we're paying for it twice. Um, and I, I really strongly believe in, in open doors and transparency. I think that we have to have town summits. I think that there should be, uh, you know, ombudsman, so to speak, people, safe places you can go to get advice from the town. Um, I think that our, our code enforcement and building uh, permitting office has been so weaponized. I mean, if you go to the meetings, just the whole demeanor when you're presenting a project before the planning board, 
um, from the chairperson and from, you know, other members of the board. I've experienced this firsthand myself. You know, it's a completely different approach when there's a corporate interest and a, and a hawk lawyer standing over their back than when somebody goes just individually before the town. They should be re- responded to with the same amount of respect. I mean, you can see the fear in the faces of, you know, I hope I don't get sued by this big corporate entity. But when it's when it's somebody that they think they can talk down to or bully, they do it. And and I and I think that that is a trickle down approach to leadership. I think that people fear to be involved. I think they fear to you know get on anybody's radar for fear that their taxes are going to go up or their business is going to you know be harassed or they're going to get pulled over. I mean, these are things that we should not worry about in a small community. We all have enough challenges with weather and, you know, just geographical location and, you know, inflation and all the other, you know, challenges uh, that have that that it bogs us down without the town stepping in and making more trouble for people. So I think that that behavior has no place. Um, And I also think we just need to cast a wider net and really communicate and, um, you know, make it a place that that everybody feels invited to the table and and to contribute to. John, thank you so much. And I would like to just uh, add a comment if I may. I do believe in the role of ombudsperson, uh, ombudsman, and uh, of a public advocate of of that role. I think it's very important. I agree with you there. And I do. I've been to a lot of planning board meetings, and they are confrontational. And sometimes I feel that people who speak out against the Northgate project, for instance, a large resort that's going in, are somehow it's perceived you know, by the town, by the board, by the planning board, as if somehow they're speaking out against the town when I see it as an act of love for the town. People care about the river. People care about, you know, the, the earth and the environment. And, you know, clean air is not, not a liberal cause. No, and I, I see wonderful families, you know, I, you know, the, the hydro farm uh, in, in Eldred is such, a, is such a statement. It pulls in and it says people are looking towards the future to try to, you know, provide food and resources for the town. I think it's such a, a wonderful sort of thing to pull up on but those guys were given so much trouble um for that project and and it was so weaponized in every direction and and i watched the supervisor at one point point in a town board meeting yell at someone in their face and and the meeting stopped and it, it was a real it was my decision to keep going i think at that moment was that no one resident should come up with an idea that they present before the town no matter what your personal you know, sort of feelings are towards someone when you're in the role of of, of a leadership uh, position and, and the people have bestowed their trust in you, you don't get to yell at residents for presenting ideas and concepts to the board. You don't get to embarrass or harass people in the public space. And that moment is when I decided I have to keep going. I have to fight the good fight and really try to represent people in a, in a much more even and balanced way. Yeah, I, I happen to have been at that meeting. It was kind of cringy. And I, too, love the Hydro Farm, a clean, sustainable, green business that's giving us vegetables all through the winter, you know? Yeah, but yeah, we're making... <laughs> but we're making... It's so progressive. It's so modern. It's so terrific. It's something to be proud of. Of course. But yet, you know, we're making... For for big groups to come in, I mean, we are in a very vulnerable spot in our in our county. Um, you know where we are. We're kind of the new frontier for some of these larger groups that come in, and that it's not like one or two families is trickling into town. You know, and we're getting to know them, and you know that's how small towns work. You know, that's the basis for it. But we're at a really we're at a real crossroads here, where there's groups that come in, and you know, it starts with one business or building, and then it just sort of like you know 
takes over and they they start to offer people money in the neighborhood. You know, I was delivering food. Um, I'm a volunteer for the food pantry and I was, I was on mail road and was watching somebody go door to door and sort of approach people about buying up their property because they were looking to buy one of the neighboring businesses. And I mean, that's something that we really need to get together and say, what do we want our town to look like? What, what do we want? What do we want for, for the future of, of, of our business? Do we want to make it a business-friendly place? You know, do we want to have clear policies and clear codes that people have the sort of conversation or dialogue where they can come in and ask, hey, what do I need to do? This is what I intend to do. What do I need to do to get there? That, that is not anything that I've ever experienced as a business owner. And I think that is a big missing piece in our government. But I don't think it needs to necessarily be an, an elected official or you know a new job. I think it's an approach. And I think that there's many citizens that would love to be part of that process. Uh, it's fantastic. And, I, and I, again, I'll say everybody that I meet, uh, and it doesn't matter what color flag you're flying on, on your lawn, people come up here to hunt and to fish and to be uh, closer to God and closer to the earth, the people that come here from the city. Uh, you know, they're, they're not all, all city. It's maybe one or two, you know, if you have to figure out how to navigate Route 97. But really, people come here for the same reason, to be part of a community and to, and to breathe the air and see the stars. We're all in this together, and I don't know anybody who's anti-business in a small town, but I think we do need to make good, good choices to protect ourselves and protect the future of the community. I agree. I agree. And I, I, I'm, I'm so proud of the group of people who showed up today to talk to us or over the course of the last couple of days, transparently. I'm very proud to be part of this, to share the message. John, I'm extremely proud to be doing this uh, show with you and to consider you my, my friend and, and, and family. And I'll say it again, Jeff Haas, you are absolutely pleased to come on the show. You're 100% invited to come and uh, represent yourself. Uh, but thank you for sending the statement. And I hope I uh, represented you fairly. And uh, guess what, John? I got, I got a special treat for you today. We're going to go out on, on a high note. I'm going to sing a song of hope. Something I like to call gospel from the garage. And, uh, oh, wait, wait, sounds like the Barryville traffic helicopter. Damn, we don't want to bump Tiffany. We'll never hear the end of it. Not from her and uh, not from her fans. Hey, guys, I know this show is really important, but copter fuel ain't free. Can we move it along, please? Uh, okay, Tiff, what do you got? Hi, it's Tiffany Diamond up here in the Barryville radio traffic helicopter. Well, spring break is over and the kids are back to school. And I want to give a shout-out to all our school bus drivers. They are so reliably on time, you would think this is Switzerland, not Sullivan County. But seriously, our school bus drivers are heroes. They come and take my kids away. I love them. Hey, maybe we can work out a deal for the weekends, huh? So, folks, I just want to make, give you a reminder about the Sullivan County burn ban. It started back in March, but it goes all the way to May 14th. Speaking of burn bans... Please, don't smoke pot and drive. You know, even driving buzzed is driving stone. It's just not cool, guys. I don't want to hear anyone spacing out and some stupid stoner jam when a deer comes flying out across the road. Uh, hey, Tiff, Tiff, did you ever uh, listen to our show all about cannabis? Sorry, guys, I can't hear you. The helicopter's too loud. Over and out from Tiffany Diamond. Well, all right, thanks, Tiffany. And we'll be back with some final comments and a song for the season right after this. Everything's better in Berryville. You're listening to Meet the Candidates on Everything's Better in Berryville. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at betterinberryville at gmail.com. Wow, John, uh, that was an amazing show. You want to take us out? 
Yeah, I just want to thank Heritage Radio, uh, Jeff Haas and Caitlin Haas for sending a statement. Uh, Tom Migliarino, Rebecca Morabito, Joe Barnes, Orson Davis, Jim Salusto, Laura Burrell, and all of you for listening. I mean, what a great group of people who are putting their name in the hat to represent the town of Highland. Doesn't matter what party you are. That's right. I was amazed by this group and especially all the things we were talking about, uh, you know, after we were done recording the segments, John, how everybody, this group is so forward looking and so in love with their town. And, and it works so well together. And they work so well together and they're all about unity and getting it together. And it doesn't matter if you have an R or D after your name. Hell no. It could, it could matter less. It's, it's amazing. It has nothing to do with national politics. This is all about right here and right now and love for the town of Highland. I love it. Uh, hey, Mike, you going to take us out with a song from your soul? Yes, I got one right here for you, John. Let me get my guitar. All right, everybody. Uh, Mike's going to take us out with Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. Here we go. Good morning, Sister Mary. Good morning, Brother John. I want to come, I want to talk with you. Tell you how I came along. You may talk about the men of Gideon, brag about the men of Saul. Not like good old Joshua, story of the war. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. The walls came a tumbling down. Well, they tell me, great God, that Joshua's spirit was not twelve feet long. Upon his waist was a double-edged sword. His mouth was a gospel horn. Brave and bold he stood, salvation in his hand. Come blow these ram horns, Joshua cried. The devil can't do you no harm. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Jericho, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. The walls came a tumbling down. Up to the walls of Jericho, he marched straight ahead. Come blow them ram on Joshua Pike. The battle is in your hands. And the ram lamb sheep horns began to blow. Trumpets began to sound. Joshua shouted glory. The walls came a tumbling down. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. The walls came a tumbling down. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. The walls came a tumbling down. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Heritage Radio Network.